All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Lead from the Inside Out live cast. I'm really, really excited. I'll get to uh, my amazing guest here shortly. But uh, before I get too far into it, I just wanted to, first of all, say thank you to everybody for joining. And secondly, we are definitely living in interesting times. And so we're here as much as we possibly can to support you. If you haven't already, certainly I would encourage you to take some time to uh, register for the summit, and that is uh, www.ddbsummit. So Delta Delta Bravo Summit.com. It's free, and you'll have lifetime access for that. So, all right, let's get started, shall we? I am extremely excited to introduce my guest on this uh, podcast. We've known each other for a few years, been good friends, and, and we followed each other professionally for uh, for a long time. And, you know, in an effort to provide people with as much practical knowledge as possible from a leadership perspective, uh, I reached out to our guest uh, a little while ago, and uh, she has graciously agreed to be, be on the, the podcast here today. So I will throw it over to our guest, Cheryl Oxford. And Cheryl, first of all, welcome and thank you. Can you uh, tell folks a little bit about yourself and uh, you know, kind of your background and, and your expertise? Sure, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy always to share knowledge wherever possible. Well, like Daryl said, I'm Cheryl Oxford and I am the communications manager to Mayor Don Iveson. So I've been working in the mayor's office for about four years now. And before that, I had uh, the pleasure of being the director of communications for the city of Edmonton. So the past four years, I've had the chance to really dive into, from a leadership perspective, what it takes in politics as far as it relates to uh, delivering a lot of news every day, all the time, good news and bad and seeing what it really takes uh, to deliver that with empathy and what happens when uh, you deliver news maybe the wrong way and how we deal with that. So I'm hoping that uh, through tonight's conversation, you can learn a thing or two and I'll share a few stories and I'm happy to take any questions as well. Awesome, thank you, Cheryl. So, you know, and you hit on it, basically, there's no fancy tagline on this one except how to deliver bad news. And as leaders, there's really not a ton of skill needed around delivering good news because we're pretty happy to do that. But I think that it's really important to recognize that as leaders, part of leadership, part of the journey is having to make tough decisions and not only make those tough decisions, but to now communicate those decisions that maybe you've made or your peers have made, or sometimes it's decisions that others have made that you need to deliver, right? In the context of layoffs or whatever. And Sadly, while we record this, it's in the COVID crisis, but the, the information we'll be talking about tonight will, you know, on this, this episode will transcend just COVID. But sadly, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, there will, if, you know, there's been a series of bad news events, even already delivered now and, and um, unfortunately moving forward. So I think it was, it's really, really important that we learn that it's not always about giving good news. So, Cheryl, if we could maybe start with, you know, some, what are some things maybe in your experience that a leader probably should not do? Let's start with what right maybe doesn't look like. And so what are some things that leaders, and because at the end of the day, the best leaders or the most effective leaders are actually excellent communicators. And that's both delivering good news and bad news. So what does maybe wrong look like from a leadership perspective in, in delivering, you know, some, some bad news? Sure. Well, I think as soon as a leader forgets that the decisions at the end of the day are actually about people, that's where things go wrong. 
So a lot of the time, some of the tough decisions, they involve money in several cases or a certain direction uh, that involves change in organizational structure. And when leaders forget that all of those decisions are affecting people, that's where things go wrong. So the way that I like to coach people that need to be able to speak about what's happening when they're sharing their decisions is reminding them that at the end of the day, the decisions are about those people and that they're talking to them directly. So the people that are gonna be hearing their message are the ones that are affected by the decision. So the more that they can put themselves in those people's shoes, that's going to help them with the way they communicate. So it's that it's that whole conversation with yourself that if you were to receive this news and put yourself in their shoes, what would you want to hear? And it's not that uh, we can soften the news, but it's what would you need to hear in that moment if bad news was being delivered to you? So we can we can give some examples when it comes to layoffs if you if you'd like in that kind of uh, a scenario, but. Um, in the case as of recently, if you've been watching some things with the city of Edmonton, we've unfortunately had to uh, temporarily lay off several thousand employees. And that's probably one of the toughest decisions in the city of Edmonton's history uh, as an organization. And that did not come lightly at all. But what was critical in delivering the message for both uh, the city manager and the mayor is being empathetic to those are individuals' lives that not only are being temporarily laid off, but during a time like a COVID crisis where they're already struggling inside with their families at home. So what, what message can we tell them? Is there anything we can do for them? What, what is it that we're looking out for? How are we supporting their families through this change? Um, what do Edmontonians need to hear in terms of what's going to be affected because of this change? So just trying to think through a little bit of the chain in terms of everyone that's going to be affected by this decision. So saying it coldly, will not help. Um, yeah, and in this and, case, and you so, might have seen that Adam actually teared up when he delivered the news and the mayor even teared up when he delivered the news. Um, that wasn't fake. That was real. But they are empathetic individuals. So that helps. Well, and, and, and so there's so much to, to talk about there. And one of which is, you know, ultimately leadership is a people business, right? And and I think as leaders, a couple things, even before we, we talk about even what is the message, it's important to recognize that why do you think leaders, why is it so difficult to deliver bad news, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll start to talk about, you know, un, unpack the whole people part of it. But in my experience, you know, we, as, as leaders, we often try to avoid that tough conversation. But realistically, again, in my experience, people just want to know, right? Like, like they just want that they're not dumb. They're adults. They know what's going on. And, you know, so, so where, where do you balance the, 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 the truth of the situation and, and the reality while still trying to temper it that, you know, it, it's really a balance. Don't, don't you think? Yes. I think that um, any leader that has to relay news has to mentally prepare themselves um, for the news coming out. You do need to practice it even once or twice before saying it so you can you know, keep your composure, but also be able to deliver the message clearly and feel ready to deliver that message. Because like you said, it's not fun to deliver the news sometimes. So any, anything a leader needs to do, whether that's, you know, deep breathing before going out to deliver the message, saying it to your trusted communications person first, just to, to, to get it out, to say it out once, because you really want to be able to, when you're delivering those key messages to be able to show that you you do care and 
um, it, it's okay to, to break down a little when you're delivering bad news. It just shows that you're human. So I've never shied away from that um, when a leader has teared up a little bit. If anything, it does show that, like I said, they are very empathetic and that they are feeling it in the moment. But if you know that that's a chance uh, for yourself as a leader in your organization, you may wish to you know, surround yourself with the good support of people um, around you, knowing that you have to deliver that bad news. Um, what are you doing right before that moment? Um, how will you not be distracted before you deliver that news? What are you doing after that news gets delivered? Um, things like that. So then if you were to tell, so I've, so I'm a leader and I have to deliver, let's say, you know, we're downsizing due to economic conditions. What, what might be the process by which I could start to go through? Because, you know, I could sit up there with a PowerPoint, talk about the data, you know, revenues down, our costs are up. This is, you know, we're going to cut X amount of human capital. Any questions? No, perfect. Let's, you know, have a good day. So, you know, that's probably the wrong way of approaching it. But so, you know, what kind of guidance could you give to somebody that maybe isn't used to this? And, and when you talked about planning for it and things like that, what does that look like, Cheryl? Yeah. So a number one thing is within an organization, something that some leaders forget uh, where some news can go badly is they forget that there's a whole internal communications component that's critical. So no one wants to hear bad news about themselves on the news first before they were told. And it's pretty tricky timing wise. So timing is essential. So as an example, um, how would you let if you're in a unionized environment and not everybody is, uh, where would you involve the union leaders to let them know that this news is going to happen so that they're aware ahead of time and are prepared with some of the messages on the reasoning behind um, the, the layoffs or the organizational changes? Who are going to be the people that are going to be talking about it are key people that you reach, if possible, beforehand in letting them know. So um, in a lot of cases where some news has been okay, because no good news, I mean, bad news doesn't get taken very easily, but there's a way to make it better. It would be reaching out in a timely fashion. So let's say you have to go live in a media conference at noon to explain to the public. Well, probably internal messaging is important to do first, and that's where things will go a little bit better. Because imagine if you were at home and then you, you saw it then and that's how you found out. So that even happened recently. Um, I have seen, let's just say, uh, certain levels of government that have maybe come out with the news via a news release. And that's the first time that people are hearing about certain um, downsizing and they never got a chance to be told. So imagine how they're feeling when they didn't even see it coming. So anything that you can do internally first, planning your good internal communications plan, as well as your external communications plan, that would be helpful. And whether that's message from a CEO or a city manager, if you're in a municipality, um, being able to have a message that's ready to send out to all staff that says why the decision got made, um, what's happening, where people can go for support, and an empathetic message in there in terms of I know that you may have questions about this. We understand this is going to bring up a lot of emotions. Here's where all your supports are and that kind of thing that really helps. So you you hit on something very, very important, and that is the why of a particular um, you know piece of bad news, whatever it might be. So can you speak to the importance of that? And and the reason I ask is because as leaders, we tend to forget the why. You know, like we 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 say something and then it's like just go ahead and do it or not do it. But how important is it for people? to be to have an accurate why in terms of that the delivery of that bad news well explaining the decision well is critical to it becoming 
of bigger issues. So I'm an issues manager in our office and things that I've noticed when certain city decisions are, are made, um, when it's become a bigger issue in the public is when the public just doesn't understand why was that, why? And so being able to think through some clarity on explaining it and also in plain language, because let's get real, a lot of the times the leaders in the organization over time, if they've been entrenched in that organization, they get very used to the bureaucratic talk within their own organization or the very technical terms or the financial bottom dollar. So you should always be thinking through clarity, like talk to your children if you were to explain this decision. Mm-hmm. And if you can't explain it, you know, at a sort of grade seven level, if you will, um, then people aren't going to understand it. So you need to make it simple enough for people to understand. Because sometimes we bury ourselves in in factoids or um, all that technical talk, but that doesn't help. Just explain at the end of the day, simply, hey, and, and, and it will and help. So important because a lot of times, so I've had bad news delivered and I don't even have to maybe agree with the why, but at least I know. And so that takes mm-hmm. away a lot of that stress and that that curiosity and that frustration. So from a leadership perspective, again, just recognizing that not everyone's going to agree with the why, but it's important that they know it. And then the second part of that I heard you say is really temper the message down in terms of simplicity for probably, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe because one, it can be stressful. So people aren't processing the information maybe in the same way. And maybe as leaders and So this is what I'm curious about. As leaders, do we sometimes hide behind the technical jargon and the the data so that we don't have to deal with the humanity aspect of it? It, Like I said, it's easier to talk about. Here's a graph. Uh, Costs are up. Revenues are down. So we got to cut. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. So do you think that maybe there's a tendency of leaders to use data and hide behind it when uh, when they're delivering some, some bad news? Yeah, I think so. I think everyone goes to their comfort spot. So, um, you know, without criticizing leaders, I think it's important to for them to recognize what do they do when they go to comfort spots. So uh, without naming names, I've uh, worked with certain leaders that, you know, will, will go to that space. That's like, like, I just have to give all these all these technical reasons because they just don't get it. And and then my answer back to them is that but it's not that they need to understand all the technical reasons. They just need to be given one good reason in terms of why something is happening so that they can at least understand it. So a lot of the times communicators advise their leaders in trying to get them to understand the value and importance of communications and how your communications person can actually really help you because some leaders are not great at communicating and you don't have to be the best at it, but you do need good people around you to help you with that. Because the more that you can get coached in delivering news effectively and being effective in your messaging, like you said, leadership, it matters. Communications, if you do it well, is the difference between you succeeding as a leader or not. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, okay, so I'm a leader and maybe I've made a mistake, right? Like so, and, and we see this often, whether it be an internal scandal or whatever that is, or, or you know what, I made a bad decision. And so sometimes the tendency is to deny it, cover it up, blame somebody else, right? Not me, look, you know, look over there, not the droids you're looking for. But let's say I'm a leader that, you know what, I, I made a mistake and and I need to own up to it. What does that look like in terms of what that message is? You know, so if you were to give guidance again, you were going to coach somebody that said, hey, you know what, man, you uh, or gal, you you made a mistake. 
And mm -hmm. what does right look like from that perspective, Cheryl? Well, what's interesting in the time that we're living in now and what's changed is in the age of social media, there doesn't appear to be as much uh, public tolerance for mistakes. Um, and social media has forgotten that there are humans behind those names and um, that words words hurt people and everyone can get sensitive over what is said. Um, so there's not just one right answer here, but I mean, truth and integrity matter and eventually the truth does come out. So my number one advice is, you know, the, the, the soonest you can, the better. Uh, and hopefully it's not a huge mistake, but if it is, then let's see what the mistake, like break it down in terms of what are you going to do about it? So you can't just apologize or say I did it, but what are you going to do about it mm. is very important because people just don't want to hear I'm sorry. They want to hear I'm sorry. And here's what I can try and do to make sure that won't happen again. Or here's what we're changing because of it. Um, I've worked in many organizations where Unfortunately, some, some bad things have happened. Um, for example, sadly, working for child and family services, um, when a child has died that's in care, there's, I don't even know if there's any more horrific news to deliver than when someone has died, especially when they're in care. So, you know, when the cameras were in my face as the spokesperson for that organization, they're just trying to get me, you know, like a gotcha, just admit that it must be your fault um, because you had that child in your care. My brain processed. So this is a child that's someone's child and they, they've already had the trauma of being taken away from their family. Then they're in our care. Then they pass away. There's so many layers to that bad news. You have to think through, there's going to be family that reacts to this news. There's going to be child advocates that react to this news. And then the ones that just want to find there must be something in the system that must have been broken that led to that, that death. So just being able to acknowledge that any death is tragic because it is a person and that, you know, if you you need to have a spokesperson that can deliver that message with empathy when they say that, you know, their thoughts are with the family and being able to say that that's why, you know, certain things are being investigated and we'll get to the bottom of it. And, you know, we'll share that information transparently and openly. This is what people need to hear because they don't want to see any further uh, information that's hidden. So when something bad has happened, you need to be as open and transparent about it. Like, why did it happen? And what are you doing about it? Well, and, and man, as you talked about that example, I think something that leaders are often reluctant to uh, talk about is anything that will be from a liability perspective, you know, lead them down a, a dark legal path. And so again, you know, we're, we're not saying disregard liability because that does matter, but, but again, recognizing that at the end of the day, it's about the people part of it and starting there and working backwards. But that's a, that's a real challenge, especially when organizations are designed to protect themselves, right? So, you know, what, what, what would you tell the leader that says, are you kidding me? We, we can't admit that publicly, like, man, oh man, we're, we're opening ourselves up for a lawsuit. So what would you tell those individuals? And that's a tough question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but generally what kind of, what kind of guidance know, could you fine. give to them? Um, I, you know, lawyers and communicators have different views at times <laughs> in terms of what should come out. Uh, what I try and do is work with the, work with the lawyers because um, lawyers are more likely to say, just don't say anything mm -hmm. because that's just the safest thing. Don't say anything or say, I can't comment. 
because, you know, that's before the courts. So in the beginning, when I was a spokesperson or part of my growth as a leader in public relations is that at first I just I just took that. I was like, OK, I guess I just I just say that. Sorry, I can't comment. And then when I challenged myself, when I thought about it from the people's view, it's like, great. Well, that just looked like the bureaucratic answer to everything is that if it's an issue, you need to say just a little bit more. So if you can't comment, then what can you say? So I would I would put the challenge back on on the legal teams and senior leadership teams in what can we say? So without talking specifically about this case, can we say, I can't speak specifically about this case because it is before the courts and so we don't want to prejudice any of the outcomes. But in general, here's how we do things. Um, or here's here's how it usually goes, things like that, or explain the reasons why you can't speak to it. And when will that information come out? So if something has to be private, say, I can't comment right now because of this reason. And then when this is all done, you'll be able to access this record and you can have that information then because then people just don't feel like you're hiding it. Yeah. And, and I think in this, you alluded to social media and the tolerance for mistakes. I think also there's a low threshold or low tolerance for lack of accountability, you know, people not taking ownership over issues and, and things like that. So, so far, Cheryl, I've, I've heard you talk about, you know, remember it's about the people, right? It's about the people first. It's about planning for what that message looks like. And it's about, you know, generally talking, you know, with the legalities around and all of those other things. If you can't talk specifics, at the very least give some whys around any kind of message that you're giving. So again, people plan and some whys around that. And what else could you tell people? And, and this could be like, you know, a brand new leader that's like, oh my gosh, I gotta, you know, I, I'm good at this technical part of it, but what else could you tell them, you know, a couple deep breaths before you go in, run it by different people. But is there even anything, you know, more around the process that you could give some guidance to for, for leaders? Because you talked about even bouncing it off of different people and whatnot. What else could you talk talk about? Yeah, I think it's about humanizing yourself and uh, knowing what your strengths are. So I'll give you another example. Um, when I had a, a certain uh, CEO uh, that I uh, reported to, he was basically being brought in uh, to pretty much stir things up and a whole bunch of people weren't going to like what this individual was going to be doing. And and in a car ride, we're driving and he said, you know, Cheryl, I'm kind of really not looking forward to these conversations because I know that, you know, they don't really like me and I'm kind of shaking up their whole world. But, you know, I've been asked to do this work. And, and I said, well, you know, let's talk about that a bit because when you go and talk to them, why don't you let them know what you think? think in terms of what they think of you and humanize yourself. So being able to say, I know that this isn't pleasant for you and that I'm known as the guy that comes in and, you know, shakes things down and reorganizes things. And, and I know what people say, and that's fair because I am actually having to reorganize and here's what I've been asked to do and here's why. And I know that this won't be pleasant for all of us, but being able to almost humanize yourself in the things that you know about yourself and, and what people can say about you and also giving yourself a little bit of training in terms of communications and, and media relations. I mean, it, it's critical because not everybody is good at delivering the bad news. So in some organizations, they think, well, that's the that's the CEO. And so that person should just deliver the news. And so um, in some particular cases where I worked, um, the CEO said to me, you know, I, I actually need you to be the spokesperson because I know that 
the message is going to come across a bit better than if I do it. And so I did it at the beginning and then I, and then I coached him and, and helped him because I said, well, I'll do it at the beginning, um, but they're going to want to hear from you because you are the CEO. And so I, I will assist you and then we can help with that and you'll have stronger messages then. And it's uh, it's interesting because I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, CEOs, there's a high level or there's a certain level of psychopathy. So being essentially psychotic as a CEO, you know, you have to have a, a thread of that because you have to be singular in your purpose and, and you know, very, very driven and maybe sometimes unemotional. But that can also lead to, obviously, from a messaging perspective, you know, some some big, big challenges. And so how much training is required for somebody to go in and, and feel comfortable just in your experience? Like, because I could see people watching this and are like, oh, good, I'll just do a, a you know, I'll, I'll do an online course and then I can now talk to the media. But in your real world experience, what does it look like to move somebody from a you know, maybe a stoic, quote unquote, not effective, empathetic communicator to somebody that, that truly does, you know, convey that they care. Like, what, what, what does that journey look like? Is it just ongoing coaching and trial and error? Um, it is, but it's also um, the leaders recognizing their strengths and limits. So the best leaders that I've worked with are ones that recognize uh, their strengths and have some form of humility. So the ones with the cockiest attitudes are the hardest to work with, obviously, because they're like, I got this, like, I got this, Cheryl, I'm good. And then when something happens and then we get to talk about it afterwards, I'm like, so how do you think that went? <laughs> And they're like, well, and then I say, what, why don't you tell me, you know, which part of it to see? So being a coach and being able to, because people were learning creatures. And so without criticizing, it's important for people to recognize their own mistakes when they say things. And then they're like, yeah, you know, I think I probably could have said that differently. And then you offer, well, if you were to do that again, or do another interview, because say that was the first interview, and then you were going to do it again, you might want to say it this way. And then them to be able to take that in. But it still takes humility because anyone who cannot recognize when they say something stupid or they say something where they're like, ooh, I didn't mean it to come out that way. Right. Um, and I, and I've, I've worked with those individuals as well. But it really helps if they're able to recognize that they made an oopsie, but they want to do something about it and make it better. So I, I think what I what I took out of that is the fact that, you know, there are individuals that are professional communicators. And even if you're not working with a professional communicator like yourself, but it's important to at least bounce ideas off and, and have other people watch that, you know, press conference or whatever that interaction might be. Um, and just give that feedback because the other thing you talked about is humility and, and self-awareness and man, heaven forbid, you, you know, no CEO or leader goes and says something bad on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, like they, they're not, everyone's doing the best they can with what they have, but it's important. I think you, you talked about it is surround yourself with good people, be honest, be empathetic and let's switch gears a little bit because you talked about social media. Should CEOs be on Twitter? <laughs> What, what, what do you think about, you know, now we've seen, yeah, exactly. We, we've seen, you know, the death of distance through social media and now the ability of, of leaders and, you know, there's, you know, there's an elephant in the room. There's an obvious one, you know, on, on a world stage, but that's just one example. What, what are your thoughts around 
the communication method of of online media and and CEOs and leaders having direct access to those means? Is it something that you recommend or recommend with caveats? What, what does that look like? Um, well, every organization is a little bit different. I guess the key is authenticity because I cannot say it enough again and again. I mean, people can smell both anywhere. And so for anyone to truly buy in and help you build your own organization's reputation, they want to see authenticity. They, they want to see, they don't want the bureaucratic answers. So I think it depends on, um, again, making a plan. So people really enjoy seeing an authentic leader. So in some cases, it's great if they're on Twitter and they're an authentic leader. I mean, in, in our case, in the mayor's office, I mean, the mayor has over 150,000 followers on Twitter, um, which is almost unheard of for some mayors. Um, so he's one of the most popular mayors. But, you know, he's, he speaks with his voice and he tries to explain things in his own terms. And yeah, sure, of course, he gets advice from us to help shape some of those. But sometimes he also just wants to do his own thing. So people like to see that, too, um, whether it's just showing him being a human, being out there doing a funny funny cameo appearance in a in a beer commercial <laughs> or saying a happy birthday to another fellow mayor. Um, they need to see that the human at the top is also a person and, you know, a father and someone that, you know, just enjoys his community, not just a deliverer of news or decision maker. So it really depends on how authentic your leader is. So do they, are they authentic? Do they know how to be authentic? I don't know. Cause like I said, some people get dragged into the bureaucratic talk and they can't get past that. And that's not going to go over so well in, in Twitter land because it's a people experience. It's an emotional experience on on Twitter and Instagram, people react to what they're seeing. And um, that's, that's what I can say about that. Yeah. And, and, and we keep talking about the emotional aspect of it and, and the, the paradigm of leadership in my experience has shifted from bombastic, stern, stoic, uh, you know, strong personality leader to, you know, the, the person that needs to be human, kind of humanized, as you said, authentic, empathetic, vulnerable, all of those other things. And, and, and I, I think it's a really important point to recognize that to your point, people can energetically detect that their BS detector goes off. And even over a, a, a medium, whether it be Twitter or Facebook or whatever that looks like, you know, that, that BS comes across pretty clearly for sure. And so I think that's important for people to, to recognize that be authentic, be yourself, you know, don't hide behind anything. And, and if you, if you're uncomfortable, if, if you feel bad about the delivering the bad news, then convey that, right? And would you, would you agree with that? Like, it's okay to feel bad about giving bad news. And, and when I was in corporate world, I always had this impression that, man, man, you know, that it's not that hard on the people making the decisions because they made the decisions. So, you know, they're, they're basically cold robots. But in your experience, it sounds like it's the effective leaders are the ones that aren't robots. So would you agree with that? Yes. So the most effective leaders that I've worked with are the ones that have a high degree of self-awareness. They've done a lot of work in terms of exploring how to communicate with people and also understand how different people take messages differently. So if you're an effective leader, you're one who understands that one message might not do it. You might actually need six because 
what will be clear to one person in one way won't be clear to the other. And the more that you understand about people and the different ways that they approach information and being communicated to, the more you understand that as a leader, well, you're winning because you can adjust your way in terms of when you're speaking to this group, you might say it this way because you understand that from where they're coming from based on their experience and their exposure to the messages, they might need to hear it this way. And it's all really the same messages, but you're learning how to say it in different ways. <sighs> Sounds exhausting. Man, oh man, like <laughs> to communicate effectively is a lot of freaking work. You know, you'd almost think that there would be professionals in organizations dedicated to messaging. Isn't that weird? Wow, I can totally see why there's a whole career there. I don't know if you're ready, if you're familiar with it, but I think, Cheryl, you should maybe look into some media relations careers and stuff like that because there seems to be a lot yeah. to communication. What do you think? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, for those of us in, in the profession, like it's it's such a passion. And I mean, I'm totally a public servant geek. I mean, I've been in the public service for the last 21 years of my life. And public service doesn't get any closer to the people. It's public service, but it really is all about the people. So I've always been really sensitive to thinking that every decision that gets made and everything that we're trying to communicate really is about them. And when you grow, even even myself as a, as a professional over the years from, like I said, the beginning messages where you're told, you just need to say this, you're our communicator, just go say that. Challenge yourself and say, no, that, that's, that's not good enough. Like, how do we say it better? And mm -hmm. you're not getting it. And some of that face-to-face -face with people actually really matters. And how are we gonna do that? And don't hide and let's let's go talk to them about what the problem is. And you'd be surprised when you give the community an issue to solve. And this is where some people forget that you have a community of people that might be able to be part of your solution. So if you are gonna to have to make bad cuts, if you are going to have to restructure, you might wanna think about finding the best ways that you can engage some of those minds and, and go out with very clear guidelines in terms of something is changing, something has to change, and I'd rather change it with you and get your input and advice. Um, can't be the same. Here's what my challenges are and be very clear up front in terms of like, don't have any extra money or now I have to work with this much versus that much. But what could that look like? Because people are full of innovative solutions and just giving people the chance and being able to communicate that you're open to some of that feedback um, and letting them know where that feedback will go is critical in communicating as well. We, we have a saying in leadership that commitment um, or involvement equals commitment. So again, we, we talked about it a bit earlier where even if I don't agree with the decision or I've given input and the direction is a little bit different than maybe what I, what I conveyed or, or what I wanted, at least at the end of the day, I'll still be a good soldier potentially and, and, and follow that versus the leader that makes the decision autocratically and, and especially if there's no why around it. So this has been really, really interesting in, in that there's a lot to it. You know, it's, it's not just the words that you're using, but to communicate effectively during times of chaos and, and, and give bad news. Suffice to say, there's a lot to it and a lot of deliberation has to go into it, a lot of actual thought. And probably the last thing that a leader should be doing is shooting from the hip, right? And and this isn't a boardroom. This isn't a private meeting. Words matter. And every word matters that, that is conveyed um, from a leadership perspective. So as we, I don't want to take up your entire life here. So as we wrap this up, Cheryl, 
let's say, okay, I'm a corporate manager um, and, and I'm about to go into a meeting and, and, and I don't know what's going on. And you stop me. You're like, okay, Daryl, what, what do you tell me? You, you got two minutes, Cheryl. You got two minutes. I'm about to tell a room full of people that they're laid off. I've got a PowerPoint presentation done up saying that we have to cut a hundred jobs. And guess what? You're now 15 of those hundred, you know, folks in this room. What, what are you telling me as I, as I go in? Because you don't want me to go in there the way I am. So how are you going to coach me up? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, one of the things that uh, I usually say is presentations are not helpful when you're delivering certain news because people actually want to hear from the individuals themselves. So being able to show the face in terms of showing how authentic of a human that you actually are is super helpful because if you just go straight into the presentation land and then say, this is how it's going to be, then that's what they're going to remember. Like I'm just supposed to read this presentation. And so I'm not a big fan of presentations. I'm, I'm a big fan of talking face-to-face to people, depending on, on the context, of course, because you might need some of those supporting documents that you'd have to show them, but less presentation, more human contact. I like that. I like that a lot. And trial and error, right? Just being very deliberate, learning from it and and treating the people. I, I think you said it earlier where, what would I want to know? What would I want to hear if I was the one receiving that particular piece of news, whether it be you have assistance available to you after, here's the why and all of those other things. So I'll tell you, Cheryl, this, uh, you, man, we could talk for hours on this. And I think it's a such an important topic because as leaders, like I started this off with, we have to make decisions. You know, that's part of leadership. And some of our decisions are tough, but the aspect of a tough decision is communicating it effectively as well. And and, and I don't think that as leaders we spend enough time on, you know, how do we deliver bad news? And so I want to thank you for taking some time out of your your schedule and um you know, I, I think there's a lot more to this. I think that uh, we will definitely have you on again. And um, boy, oh boy, my, my head's just swimming right now. And I'm not even going to talk to my son the same anymore. Like, this is life changing. <laughs> so Cheryl, thank you very, very much. And um, yeah, and so we'll definitely, we'll definitely be keeping in touch and, and have you back on here again. But uh, your insight and your experience has been invaluable. And I also want to acknowledge you for your public service and knowing that, you know, you're passionate about the people and you're passionate about messaging and, and you're passionate about truth and integrity. So I wanted to take the time to, to acknowledge you and, and all everyone in public service, because as you know, it's a thankless job. It's not always the best paying job, but it's a job that matters. So I want to acknowledge you for, for that and, and thank you for, for your time uh, during this episode. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh man. So awesome. All right. Thanks Cheryl. And uh, my people will talk to your people. (laughs) Okay.